it's geology. And like the geologic pressures that result in earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, the destruction that comes is indiscriminate. Wiping out children, the elderly, everyone unable to get out of the way. The least of these. Power and control. They come to trap Jesus, Matthew wants us to know, because he had become a threat to their power and control of the people. Show me the coin used for the tax, Jesus said, because then and now our money always has something to say. If we walked out to my car right now, um, we would find several pennies littering the floors underneath my feet. I've got a little coin holder, you know, a little cubby on the left side, and the change spills out, I guess, when I take off too fast. Uh, and then I look down when I'm getting in the car, and I bother to pick up the quarters and the dimes and the nickels, but, you know, the pennies are dirty. I've always considered them slightly annoying. Well, the first copper penny in this country was designed in 1787. It followed a design uh, by, uh, done by Benjamin Franklin himself. Uh, it was authorized by Congress, uh, called the Continental Penny is how it was referred to. And it wasn't long after that that the phrase became popular, popularized uh, in, in the culture in our country. That thing's not worth a Continental referring to that penny. So you see, people have always felt like I have about, about the penny from the beginning. Um, not worth a continental. If you look at a typical American coin today, uh, as has been true for a long time, you'll see the words e pluribus unum uh, from many one. Uh, you'll also see the word liberty. Uh, well, in today's gospel, some adversaries of Jesus, uh, they bring a dispute over whether or not to pay tax to Caesar. Uh, and this is always a perilous topic of discussion. It, it's a little curious to read this in the Gospel that this is the, the topic they want to uh, trap Jesus with because as far as we can see, at least in our reading through the Gospels, Jesus hasn't mentioned anything about payment of tax uh, in his teaching up to this point. He hasn't focused on the government and hasn't even taken a real public position on uh, the injustice of the Romans occupying the Holy Land uh, or occupying Judea. Throughout history, we know that that part of the world has seen a seemingly endless series of conflicts, wars, and treachery. These terrible attacks by Hamas terrorists of innocent civilians out, outside of Gaza uh, got the attention of the entire world in a way that sustained aggressions in that region over the past decades have not. Our youngest daughter, Clara, was just in Tel Aviv with 
some friends of hers a, a few months ago uh, and being out at a desert musical festival is exactly the kind of thing her and her friends would do. So, you know, this feels too close to home in so many ways, as is always the case. The, the heaviest price is, is paid by the least of these inside of Gaza and out. The pressure builds within a population so hemmed in by the sea on one side and militarized border on the other that at some point disaster becomes inevitable. It's geology. And like the geologic pressures that result in earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, the destruction that comes is indiscriminate. Wiping out children, the elderly, everyone unable to get out of the way. The least of these. In our Gospel, Jesus is teaching and healing and preaching into just such a pressurized cauldron of political and religious forces in that very same region of the world. And because people are listening to Jesus, and because people are following Him, He has become a threat. It is always about power and control. His critics come to Jesus seeking to entrap Him in a debate, a discussion about paying taxes to the emperor. You know, as if you have the option to say, no, thank you. Well, this is not only a political trap, it's also a religious trap. Taxes, of course, are always a central theme of the overheated politics in our own country. No one I know enjoys paying taxes, but imagine if you were having to pay your taxes to an, a foreign occupying force that has overrun your homeland. In our Gospel for today, we see members of two opposing first century religious parties. These, the, the, the Herodians, the Pharisees, didn't like each other one little bit. Pharisees saw the Herodians as complete religious sellouts. But they team up here because they have a common foe, a common enemy, a common threat in Jesus. What does it mean, they come with this question, essentially this, what does it mean for a person of faith to be faithful and patriotic in our day, Jesus. Now this is such a loaded and relevant question for our time that I would love to spend the next hour talking about it, uh, unpacking it, discussing it. Uh, but that would be a lecture and not a sermon. So, the only... only the way they phrased it was, tell us, Jesus, since, since you're so smart and always have an honest answer for any question that is asked of you, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or is it not? And you can just about see the looks on their faces, kind of rubbing their hands together. We got him. What's he going to say? On one side is the 
uh, of this unlikely alliance uh, are the Herodians, members of a party within Judaism uh, that basically kept their power by for forming alliances with the occupying Roman forces. Uh, the Herodians, right, as their name implies, Herod, right, believed that compromise was the only way for them to maintain some power and influence and control of the people under Roman rule, so they advocated, for instance, paying the poll tax to the, to the Romans as a way of appeasing the overlords. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, then, of this discussion stood the Pharisees, a group of religious leaders that we encounter often as we make our way through the Gospels. Uh, and they held religiously to the teachings of the law of Moses and the prophets, and they believed that compromising any of this stuff, with, especially with a political enemy like Rome, was just antithetical to the faith that they held. Now, most of the time, the Pharisees tend to strike us as snooty, overly religious know-it-alls, uh, going on about their 613 tenets, uh, which allow them to define the faithful from the wannabes. Right? They've got their 613 religious rules that they decipher out of the Scriptures. Uh, and if they notice that you, for instance, are not properly washing your hands in just that ritually uh, in uh, a uh, correct way, then they know you're not, you're not on the inside, you're on the outside. 613 of these rules. So, but maybe here, for us, they come off a little more serious, at least. Even brave when it comes to the faith. Not complete sellouts to the state or a political party or any, or any individual. At any rate, these two groups now, the Herodians and the Pharisees, who usually were very much at odds with each other, they team up to question Jesus, hoping to trap him in a no-win proposition. If he responded in favor of the Herodians, agreeing that taxes, of course, should be paid to the emperor, he would be seen by the Pharisees and, and many of the Jewish faithful as being weak on adherence to the Mosaic law, which was their tradition, their heritage and is giving in to this oppressive foreign occupation. But if he sided with the Pharisees and agreed that no, taxes should never be paid to the Roman overlords, then he would be accused of treason and swiftly done away with. Either way, Jesus stands to lose. And it's precisely why these two opposing groups have teamed up to bring him this gotcha question, right? Uh, so it, for context, it's good to know that all over Judea, the Romans had placed statues to Caesar that proclaimed him to be supreme and also divine. So, the coin that was handed to Jesus when he asked for one that day, it didn't say e pluribus unimane. And it didn't say liberty. And it didn't say in God we trust. That coin said, Caesar is God. So along comes this group, Herodians and Pharisees, and they begin with flattery. This works on some individuals. Good teacher. It's sarcastic flattery when we know something about them. Good teacher, we see that you, you, uh, 
you show partiality to no one. We're coming from these guys. That's a hoot. You show partiality to no one. Remember the 613 rules? It's all these guys do is show partiality, deciding who's in and who's out. So this compliment they begin with is sarcastic, I think. Good teacher, we see that anybody's fine with you. You'll sit down and break bread. We've noticed you'll eat with anyone. We'll notice, we've noticed your, some of your followers pick grain on the Sabbath and don't wash their hands right and eat the wrong food. Well, then they drop the bomb of a question that they know is either to get Jesus in serious trouble with the Romans or get some of the most zealous followers of his to turn against him for being a traitor. And this is the goal because these these guys have religious power and authority and control and they want to keep it. And this growing movement of people are following and listening to this Jesus. we got to get rid of them. Here's how we're going to do it. So they ask the question. But Jesus doesn't really answer the question, does He? As we heard Carol read this great Gospel reading. Uh, he asks another question. He says, hand me a coin. Whose image is on that coin? And they say, Caesar, the emperor. And then Jesus says, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and give to God what belongs to God. And you can just, they were ready, you know. They knew they had the unanswerable question, and they were ready to pounce. They probably had some Roman centurion soldiers in the background in case he said, No, 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 don't pay taxes. To Caesar, and then they had they knew all his other followers were right there on his other side, ready to hear whether or not he was going to advocate being a faithful uh, Jewish person. And then Jesus answers like this: Hey, let me see a coin. Oh, it says here, uh, Caesar is God. Will you give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and and you give to God what belongs to God? And they're they're stuck. It, you can just see it. They, it's the greatest answer. It stops everyone. Uh, Matthew tells us when they heard this, they were amazed. <laughs> you know, in the Greek, if we take that word and look at it closely, it, 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 it literally is marveled. They, they heard this answer and they marveled. But the, you know, the, the question was supposed to elicit anger, right? Rage even. To do away with this Jesus. But they marveled, and then they walked away. <laughs> Whose image is on the coin? Well, Jesus knew, as did everybody listening, that in the creation story in Genesis, God makes it clear that we are created in the image of God. There's Jewish people, Palestinians, Ukrainians, Russians, people living in Gaza, Tel Aviv, Moshi, Tanzania, Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Well, we're going to gather at the font in just a moment. Little Harley's going to receive the promise of holy baptism here that she is sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ 
forever. We have God's image stamped on us. We have been created in God's image. The coin belongs to Caesar. You belong to God. Jesus has taken a trick political question and at a heated political time made it a liturgical question, a question of worship. In whose image are you created? To whom do you belong? Give to God what belongs to God. John Calvin once famously said that the human heart is a permanent factory of idols. It's one of my favorite quotes from one of those uh, Reformation teachers and proclaimers. Again, the human heart is a permanent factory of idols. We are so inclined to look for something other than God, for meaning, identity, security, comfort, for some of us, it's a particular political ideology. For others, it's an addiction or a self-image or a standard of living. The list is endless for we are resourceful in our idolatries and the factory never shuts down. So Jesus calls us all back this morning to the first commandment and promise of our faith. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. You are created in God's image. Through Christ in the waters of baptism, you are claimed, you are forgiven, and you are sent. And this is the gospel for today. Amen. So uh, Jesus asked the question, whose image is on this coin? You might ask the question, whose image is on this child, this Harley? Whose image is on this Chad? Uh, sealed by the promised Holy Spirit, marked with the cross of Christ forever. You may want to remind yourself of that. You're welcome to march up here after we are dismissed uh, and, and do just that. Uh, so we go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.